Christian Revelations is a completely free podcast for the new Christian looking to learn more about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how to implement His teachings in our lives and the world today. And for the older Christian looking to dig deeper into the Word of God, edification, and the fellowship of the body of Christ. And now our host, Pastor Robert. Before we get started, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for the rains that are so needed. I thank you for your love and your comfort in our lives. I thank you for the gift of salvation that that you have given to us, that no matter where we are in our walk of life, we will be able to find it, and you will be able to lead us Mm -hmm. to where we need to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Last Sunday evening on my way back to church, uh, so I don't sound too crazy, it was as if God sat right next to me and said, this is what you need to talk about next Sunday. Um, Though I fought with him, he won. Um, So our, uh, our our main verse will be 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 12 through 16. And this morning we will be talking about conversion. Some of us are born into the Christian faith and we live as Christians and mom and dad raise us as Christians and then once we come to the understanding that we need to be born again, we become born again. Others of us are wonderful human beings who just don't believe in God in one day, we do. And then there are those of us who literally go out of our way to destroy the life that God gave us. We ignore the good news of the gospel and we curse God. It might not be that we don't believe. It might be that we just blame God for all the bad things that happen. And then with us one day we get hit in the head with a two by four and the lights turn on and we begin to live for God. First Timothy chapter 1 starting at verse 12 and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry although I was formerly a blasphemer a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This This is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, For this reason I obtained mercy, that in me, first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Some of us use our salvation as a reference point or a border point. We 
separate the I once was lost from the now I'm found. And we look at our past and we can see what God has done in our lives. For one thing, we notice that all the condemnation has been lifted from us. And now we have peace with God and we have repented of our past and turned to the future and placing our lives in God's hands. God has wasted none of our past, even though we might feel like we have. God can use our past for his glory if we don't try to use it for our own glory. We must learn to be honest with people about our past sins and failures. This should give others hope in understanding that if they're sinning right now, they can be saved. Phillips Brooks, an American Episcopal church clergyman and author, once said, the only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God will waste nothing. God uses our reflection of our past, our lost life, our learning from past mistakes so that we do not repeat them again. God pushes us to look forward and to seek his kingdom first. And that means we must seek the king of that kingdom Mm -hmm. always. The unbeliever and the backslider have one thing in common other than their desire to sin. We believe that we can navigate this life without God. We make our own decisions, and when we succeed, we praise ourselves, and when we fail, we blame God. And then many of us go through what my father would call a volcanic transformation, and we begin to live for God. Who we were becomes a slowly fading memory as we seek God first and live a life exactly opposite of who we once were. But what happens when it becomes important that we provide the information of our lives to those around us? What happens when we have to tell everybody about our life that we lived away from God? We start exactly where Paul started in Acts 26, 9, when he says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This morning, I would like to talk about somebody's conversion. It's a true story, so I hope that you will bear with me as I tell it. Though he probably showed signs of the life he would live at an early age, he didn't begin drinking, chasing women, or causing any real trouble until he turned 18. One week after graduating high school, his best friend was killed in a car accident, and this is what he used for his reasoning behind hating God. Though he said hello to God every single time he passed a church, and even prayed when he was in trouble, his actions proved a lack of trust and a lack of love for God. He joined the military immediately out of high school. 
He did not do it because he truly believed service was a good thing. He did it because he was in love with his high school sweetheart and he wanted a secure paycheck. <laughs> Sadly, as he was in basic training, she decided that she would find pleasure elsewhere. <laughs> not only did she cheat on him, she cheated on him with three men at the same time. Wow. Well, yeah, ambitious. While this was probably not the reason for him becoming a miserable drunk, it helped. When he made it to his first duty station, he spent every minute that he was not on duty drinking, and he absolutely loved to drink. It didn't take long for him to start getting into trouble while he was drinking. He spent time confined to barracks and pulling extra duty as punishment for his drunken ignorance. Without getting into details, he eventually was sentenced to six months in the brig. His first day in the brig, he thought it would be a wise idea to start a fight with the largest man in the place. <laughs> Thankfully, that Marine wanted nothing to do with him. Come to find out, that man was in the brig for trying to kill his first sergeant. So it was a good thing he didn't want anything to do with him. He used to say that the most miserable time of his life was his 21st birthday. He spent it locked in solitary confinement in nothing but his underwear, no bed, no blankets, just concrete floors and walls. Thankfully, at the time he was dating somebody who would come and visit him, and then when he got out, they eventually got married. When they got married, they were doing quite well in the beginning. They had a daughter who was a wonderful human being, and Sadly, his desire to drink overpowered his love for his wife and his daughter. The last time that he saw his daughter, she was six months old, and that was over 20 years ago. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Amen. It did not take him a long time to find a, another cure for his loneliness in the form of someone who would become his second wife. They had a son and everything was wonderful in the beginning. But as usual, his desire to drink was stronger than his desire to have a family. His wife decided that instead of fixing a failing marriage, she would sleep with every man in the neighborhood. After this betrayal, you could say he was a little upset and he went around looking for everyone who betrayed him. He ultimately did a year in prison for assault with a deadly weapon and many accounts of assault with intent to do harm. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger rests in the bosom of fools. 
He spent the next few years in and out of jail to hear him tell it he was actually pretty good in jail. He was smarter than most people in jail in that he could read and write and was educated. So he used his intelligence to make sure everybody in prison owed him something. And when everybody in prison owes you something, nobody is going to try to hurt you. His first day in Chino State Penitentiary, a guy came up to him and said, man, you came here at the perfect time. And he looked at him and said, what, what do you mean? Well, we got new mattresses, we got new pillows, we got new paint on the walls. This is the perfect time for you to be here. And he said, well, why? Well, last week we had a riot here, and this entire building was covered in blood. This would have been the perfect time for him to read Deuteronomy 31.6, which says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He finally got out of jail in 2005 and vowed to never go back. This doesn't mean that he quit sinning and causing trouble. It just means that he didn't get caught doing it. Once again, he found a, another cure for his plague of loneliness in wife number three. Once again, his love for the drink overwhelmed his love for the woman, and things went downhill. But instead of cheating on him, and instead of leaving him, she secured and abuse from a friend and began crushing it up and putting it in his food at night. Basically, she was poisoning him. One day, he opened up his first beer and he began to drink and his throat started to swell up. His face turned bright red and swelled up and he felt like he was having burning hot flashes and his friends watched as he became violently ill. It didn't take long for him to figure out what was going on and thus ended marriage number three. To add hilarious insult to injury, because I always love adding a joke in here, he found what appeared to be a voodoo doll of himself. And she was apparently using it to try to control him. But it didn't work. Now as the well-rounded good-tempered, wise-living, faithful Christians we are, we would think that maybe three wives, two children, county jail, state prison, and a voodoo doll would have stopped him in his tracks. But we would be wrong. Not only did he continue living separated from God, he blamed God for his miserable life. Proverbs 19 3 says, the foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. A life with God is a life that, without God, is a life that is out of control. You could liken it to a runaway horse. Nothing is going to stop it. There is no controlling it and there's no slowing it down. It either runs itself to death or it stops on its own. In the case of a life without God, God himself could intervene and turn that life around just like he did with Paul. The best evidence for the, Paul's claim is to, 
that to have received the gospel by revelation of Jesus Christ is his conversion. The dramatic change in his life demands explanation. How could such a fanatical opponent of the followers of Jesus become a devoted preacher of the gospel? Paul explains that the cause of such a radical change was God's gracious revelation of his son to him. God still gives revelations today, just as he did with the chief of all sinners. One day this foolish person decided to quit drinking. His mind began to clear and he began to focus on the positive things in life in an attempt to turn and run away from a past that he regretted. He enrolled in college and began taking classes in psychology and in counseling. He took online classes and became a certified life coach and a certified child self-esteem counselor. He went out and got himself a job at Walmart working as an overnight stalker. Within two months, he was the overnight support manager, and within one year, he was a salaried member of management for Walmart. He ran the day-to-day operations of a multi-million dollar store. One day, his regional manager came up to him and said, if you like your job, you will consider working 12 hours a day, six days a week. And he looked at his regional manager and said, I don't like anything that much. And he quit. After he left Walmart, he applied for CVS and got a job as a store manager for CVS. He was educated in and trained in business management by two of the largest brick and mortar retail stores on the planet. But he got bored of CVS and quit. He never finished college, never went back to work for anyone other than himself. And he started to drink again. He continued in breaking every single commandment except for one. Most of them he broke more than once because he had so much fun doing it. He began to slowly pickle his insides and kill himself with alcohol. He sank into a deep, deep depression and he blamed God for his miserable life. He began to lose weight because he was not eating and he began to look 20 years older than he really was as his skin began to hang off of his bones. One day he decided that his life was no longer worth living. So he broke a bottle and stabbed himself in the wrist three times, severing every single solitary thing in his wrist except for the major arteries. He was rushed to the hospital. They put him on suicide watch. He had surgery. And to this day, his hand is numb. It has no strength, and it does not work the way that God designed it. After his surgery... He was sent to what he likes to call the loony bin to spend some time with the rest of the crazies. And he actually liked it there because nobody judged him for being crazy. (laughs) Soon after all of that, I was compelled to purchase a Bible. 
I began to read it. There was a time in my life when I would read the Bible and I would not know what it said, but it was as if I just knew. It was as if all the information that I needed was downloaded into my brain. On top of this new knowledge, I was given an understanding that I would absolutely, positively, without a doubt, be going to hell. So I began to have a very healthy fear of God. And I began pouring through his word in an attempt to find freedom from hell and an attempt to find salvation. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Among the many understandings that I had been given through the revelation of God's word, I knew that I had to go to church. But I didn't have to go to just any church. I had to go to a certain church. I did not know why I had to go to that specific church. I just knew I had to go to that church. This is when my life took a turn for not just kind of better, a whole lot better. With the help and guidance of God and the Holy Spirit, I was led to a church that was filled with people who seemed to truly and honestly and without reservation love their neighbor. I was led to this church. I felt welcome and a sense of belonging. I have never been anywhere in my life, including my own home, where I felt like I belonged. But I feel like I belong here. From the moment I walked into this church, it was as if Jesus had spoken directly to me. Exactly what he said in Luke 8.39. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. The joy of the Lord and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit filled my soul until it was overflowing. The man who once looked 20 years older than he really was began to look younger. The people around him thought he was younger than he really is. Most people don't realize that I'm actually 44 years old. A lot of people think I'm just a kid. To most people, there was no way that this young man who seemed to come out of nowhere could have lived through and experienced more in his life than most people do in their 80 years. To most people, I am young, I am inexperienced, and I am uneducated. To me, this church is a shining example of John 13, 34, which says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Once I finished reading my King James Version, which took less than a year, I began to buy more translations of the Bible. I have currently in my possession 18 different translations, including a few full Bible commentaries. I searched for and found online seminary classes. I have taken classes on church history, on interacting with the people of a church, on counseling members of a church, on church economics. I fully intend to continue educating myself for the entirety of my life, however long that may be. 
My life has gone from as low as a human being could sink to as high as God could raise a person. Amen. Gratitude to God and my love for God compels me to continue learning so that I can share my love of God and help those around me to feel the same joy that I feel. The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sins and led me away from my old ways. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man and was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Each of us is more than our worst deeds and less than our best. People aren't easily divided into good and bad. I will not excuse or defend what I did in the name of sin, but if I am not acknowledging the great work that God has done in my life and where he is leading me, I am obviously not paying attention. The word convert is a verb. The dictionary defines it as to change or transform or turn. In the area of religion, Webster defines it as to change from one religion, doctrine, opinion, course, or action to another. In the original language of the New Testament, the Greek language, the word conversion, if I'm pronouncing this right, is epistrophe, and it means a turning to. There are actually two words meaning to turn, and they are found 49 times in the New Testament. In the New Testament, our basic understanding of the word convert simply means the act of changing from a life of disobedience to a life of obedience to God. Luke writes on the Acts of the Apostles and states it this way in Acts 29:18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Conversion is simply a change of direction in our lives. In the biblical sense, it is to turn away from the service or wrong and turn away from evil as portrayed by darkness or to turn or direct a person to devoting themselves to good as presented by light. It is said in another way, turn them from the power of Satan unto God. The motive of God in this efforts towards conversion is so we might gain forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified. This also reflects the real benefit of the individual seeking a conversion of life. Revelations 21.5 says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Humans are pretty much engineered for fresh starts. 
Our brain is hardwired to respond to new stimuli as it is part of our learning process. This allows us to neurologically wire our understanding of life, ourselves, and the natural order of things. It allows us to grow, to push forward into creating new stories, new inventions, and new lives. The unending opportunity for fresh beginnings and the new discoveries they bring are part of what makes humanity remarkable. The unending opportunities for forgiveness and salvation given by God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is what makes our lives truly worth living. We become new creations and we are washed clean of all our sins. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are truly grateful that you have chosen to join us here today at Christian Revelations. We hope you were just as blessed receiving the message as we were in preparing and delivering it. We welcome you back anytime with open arms, open hearts, and open Bibles with your host, Pastor Robert. Blessings.